With NFL free agency officially kicking off on Wednesday, the Seahawks had themselves a busy afternoon signing three outside free agents. I'll be breaking down all of those additions and much more on the latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. <laughs> You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Happy Wednesday to all of our listeners as always. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen Five days a week after a couple days of legal tampering, the NFL officially kicked off free agency today. First day of the league year, a pretty busy day for the Seahawks. I'll be breaking down the three signings that they made today. And I'll also be taking a look at some of the comments made by John Schneider and Pete Carroll today, speaking with the media for the first time since the Russell Wilson trade became official jam-packed episode coming your way. So let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. After two days of the legal tampering period, the NFL officially ushering in a new league year. Free agency kicking off at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time today. The Seahawks, up to this point, like the rest of the league, they were not allowed to sign any outside free agents, at least officially. But they were able to make three signings today, adding players from outside organizations. A pretty busy first day of free agency for John Schneider and company getting some bargain deals and also making a little bit of a switch up going for some younger players. You just start off in the secondary. The first move that was announced today, Artie Burns, former first round pick out of Miami, 33 plus inch arms, 4.46 40 yard dash coming out of Miami. This is a kid that had a lot of hype when he played for the Hurricanes entering the league. Really struggled his first four years in Pittsburgh, though. Unfortunately, earned the nickname Artie Burned because receivers were really toasting him in the secondary. Just didn't seem like he figured things out there in Pittsburgh. They let him go as a free agent, tore his ACL with the Chicago Bears in 2019, then came back this past season and played in six games. Played the best football of his career for the Bears. And Sean Desai was the defensive coordinator, now the associate head coach for the Seahawks. So it's fitting that they're going to be going out and bringing in Artie Burns. In fact, John Schneider said that Burns was a player that they tried to sign and almost pulled it off two years ago. So they've been intrigued by him for a long time, played over 200 of his snaps last year out of the slot. So that might be where the Seahawks envision him playing. It'll be interesting to see ultimately what the Seahawks choose to do because he does have the versatility to play outside cornerback as well. He had five pass breakups and gave up just one touchdown in six games last year. Played really well against the Seahawks when the Bears came to Lumen Field and won that game on the road. Had two pass breakups in that matchup. Didn't allow any touchdowns. So the Seahawks have seen him firsthand. They like the athlete. They like the physical makeup. And they think he can be a valuable addition to their secondary, especially teaming back up with Sean Desai. Later on, the Seahawks also added some help with their pass rush. Now, I think everybody was hoping that it was going to be a player like Chandler Jones or Von Miller. Both of those players reached agreements on Wednesday, but with the Raiders and Bills, respectively. So they're not going to be coming to the Pacific Northwest. But Seattle might have made one of the more underrated signings so far in this free agency period, adding Ochina Nowosu, formerly a second-round pick out of USC. And 
Nuosu is a player that brings good size at six foot two, 251 pounds, and he's very athletic, ran a 4.6540 coming out of USC. So this is a guy that's got the athleticism, he's got the size, and really he fits best as a 3-4 linebacker. And with Clint Hurt being the defensive coordinator now, the fit there schematically is going to be a good one for Nuosu. And this is a player that really came on a year ago, his first three seasons in the league, he was stuck in the shadows of Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa and didn't get a lot of playing time. He did have four and a half sacks in 2020 in limited action, but again, only started, I believe, four games that season. He started 15 games in 2021, had five sacks, a career high, 40 tackles, and also had, according to Pro Football Focus, 40 pressures. That was more than any player on the Seahawks roster. This feels like a player at the age of 25 that hasn't gotten to his full potential yet. He's not in his prime, and now Seattle's signing him to a two-year deal worth $20 million, $10 million per year for a player that is ascending, trending upward, has the upside to have a lot more sacks with the pressures that he had last year in a good scheme. There's a chance that this could be one of the more underrated signings when it's all said and done. Couldn't be in a bargain for the Seahawks, so really nice pickup for them. And then on the offensive line, this will please a lot of fans, especially after the way things played out last offseason. The Seahawks deservedly got a little bit of heat last year for not addressing the center position. They could have picked Creed Humphrey in the draft. There were some really intriguing veterans that were on the free agent market that they could have tried to sign. And one of them was Austin Blight. He was an unrestricted free agent after starting all 16 games for the Rams at the center position in 2020. And that seemed like a very fitting player for them to bring in with Shane Waldron and Andy Dickerson, both coming over from the Rams, taking over as offensive coordinator and run game coordinator. Now that Dickerson's been moved up to the offensive line coach and is still going to have his finger on the run game. Not surprising they went back to Blythe this time around. His 2021 season was extremely underwhelming. He went to the Kansas City Chiefs, ironically the same team that drafted Creed Humphrey, and he only played in four games and played a grand total of 12 offensive snaps last year. So this is not going to sound like near as appealing of an addition now as it would have a year ago considering last season he was one of the more coveted centers out there on the free agent market. Ended up not playing very many snaps at all for Kansas City. He had some injuries as well, but if his physical checks out, looks like it did with him signing a one-year $4 million contract, this could end up being a nice signing for them, bringing in a player that's a little bit of an upgrade over what they've had in the past. I don't think it stops them from pursuing another center. I don't think it stops them from considering bringing back Ethan Posick either. You could have Posick and Blythe both competing against each other but this is a guy that has been a starter in the NFL. Three of the seasons with the Rams started at least 15 games. He's got starting experience at guard as well as center. He's lighter at 298 pounds. He is best equipped for zone blocking. Again, he was really a very solid center for the Rams at a 72.3 run blocking grade in 2020. So that zone blocking scheme is a very good fit for his skill set. Shane Waldron and Andy Dickerson should be very comfortable with him. So not surprised that this time around they went back to that well and signed him. But Seahawks fans will at least be a little bit relieved that they actually went out and made a move at center. I don't think that they are necessarily done there either, whether it's later in free agency or in the draft. I can see them adding another player to the mix to compete against Blight for that starting job in 2022. Pete Carroll and John Schneider met with the media for the first time since the Russell Wilson trade today. I'll be breaking down my thoughts and some of the comments that were made 
by Seattle's Brain Trust, as well as Wilson, who met with the Denver media for the first time here in a moment. This is the time of year I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. Have you tried Built Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best Built Bars on the market. They are a protein-infused marshmallow, fluffy, marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. They're a treat covered in 100% real chocolate. Tons of amazing flavors like cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. These are going to be your new favorites. Like all other Built Bars, 100% real chocolate, low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace your candy bar with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can have anywhere from two to 300 calories. That's not the case with Built Bars that have 240 calories. Whoops. That's not the case with Built Bars that have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Regular Built Bars have a lot of amazing flavors as well. Coconut, coconut almond, my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie. They come out with new flavors all the time. So make sure to check out their website, Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 at Built.com to get 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast on YouTube as well. We've got experts for every single team weighing in their thoughts on free agent signings, rumors, trades, you name it. Available five days a week streaming on YouTube. Pete Carroll and John Schneider met with the media today for the first time since the Combine and the first time since they traded Russell Wilson. Now, obviously, the Combine, some interesting comments at that point from both Carroll and Schneider. They were telling reporters in Indianapolis that they did not intend to trade Russell Wilson and that they were ending calls saying, we are not shopping our quarterback. Turns out, maybe they weren't actively shopping Russell Wilson, but they were certainly accepting calls and they were considering offers. And at the time, based on reports, they were talking to the Denver Broncos. This had been something that they had been working on for well over a month. There had been discussions between these two teams. So again, a lot of times what coaches say, you have to take a little bit of a grain of salt with it because they're not going to disclose everything that they are doing. But looking at today's press conference, I was in attendance Not surprised by the things that were said by Pete Carroll and John Schneider at all. I'm not surprised by what Russell Wilson said in his first press conference with the Denver media as well. Depending on who you believe, uh, some different perspectives on why this trade went down. We'll start with Russell Wilson's perspective here first. Wilson told the Denver media that he did not force his way out of town. He did not demand a trade, that this was a mutual decision by the team and the player. And There certainly may be some truth to that, especially given the fact that Wilson has expressed a displeasure the last two off-seasons about pass protection, not having enough same personnel, not having enough stars on the team. This team has not been able to win playoff games. There was just a lot of tension between the coaching staff, the front office, and their star player, the best quarterback in franchise history. So I'm not surprised if that would have been something that would have played into this, that it really was a mutual decision that – Russell Wilson, as Pete Carroll said, wanted a second chance. He wanted a fresh start at a place that maybe he felt gave him a better chance to win another Super Bowl. The Seahawks obliged by trading him to the Broncos. And on the flip side, I think based on the comments that Pete Carroll and John Schneider made today, the two of them really wanted that fresh slate. They wanted a second chance 
to try to make 2012 happen again. Maybe they'll go out and get a young quarterback in this upcoming draft. They seem to be enthused by Drew Locke. That's a topic that I'll be hitting on a lot in future episodes, but they seem to be very optimistic that Drew Locke might be the guy, at least based on their comments. Again, you take what coaches say with a little bit of a grain of salt, but they certainly seem intrigued by his skill set, and he was a second-round pick out of Missouri. He's got the physical tools. They wanted draft picks. They wanted to have a younger roster. They want to infuse this roster with youth with a better all-around roster with more of that cap space they're going to have now, not having one of the highest-priced quarterbacks in the league on their roster. So I think from both perspectives there, you can see why Russell Wilson would say that, and, and that might be the case. But that is not what John Schneider and Pete Carroll were saying in their press conference. There wasn't once they mentioned that you know this was a mutual decision. Obviously, Pete Carroll said that everybody agreed on this when they ended up signing off on the trade, but they didn't mention anything about this being something that along the line was something mutually that both sides wanted. Pete Carroll continued to say today that he never intended to trade Russell Wilson. That was not the game plan. They just got an offer that they simply could not refuse. And so I think you look at some of the details that Carroll and Schneider dished out today that were most fascinating. I want to start with John Schneider, and this is something that I speculated, especially after Aaron Rodgers' contract came out last week, that he was going to be getting paid $50 million a year. Russell Wilson and his agent, Mark Rodgers, have always looked closely at Aaron Rodgers' contracts and used those as baselines for their future negotiations. John Schneider was not going to sit there today and say, we weren't willing to pay Russell Wilson $50 million or $45 million per year, like Patrick Mahomes' money is one report indicated. Schneider didn't stand up there and say that today, but he was point blank asked whether or not Russell Wilson was unwilling to sign a long-term deal in the future. And he said he was under the impression that he wasn't going to sign a long-term deal. So you think about that. That is a really, really big deal when we're talking about the decision to make this trade. That had to be a huge factor in this because you're not going to keep a player like Russell Wilson around who is 33, going to be 34 in November, when you don't think that he's going to be here two years from now. Or you might have to use a franchise tag on him to keep him around, and that would have just created further tension. I think the Seahawks reached a point where they realized that our best bet now, knowing that Russell Wilson is not intending to sign another long-term commitment here, and you can make an argument has already seen maybe check out a little bit. He's exploring his options. This is the time to get maximum value back for him. So I think that that might have been the biggest revelation today. John Schneider admitting that, that Russell Wilson was not going to sign another long-term deal. And that really played into the decision to move on now. Let's get maximum compensation for him. Let's get those draft picks, those high first rounders, second round picks that we can go out and infuse this roster with young talent and try to reload quickly. That was another main emphasis today. Again, we're not rebuilding. We are reloading. They truly believe that they can put together a quality roster with a good replacement at quarterback to be able to stay competitive and win a lot of football games. So I thought that that was very telling coming from John Schneider. And the other thing that jumped out to me from Pete Carroll's perspective and this was not surprising to me at all. If you have followed the Seahawks closely throughout Pete Carroll's time here, he has always stuck to his philosophy, or at least verbally has stuck to his philosophy, that he wants to have a balanced offense 
He wants to be able to run the football. He doesn't need a high-volume passer. He hinted at that again today, talking about what they were looking for at the quarterback position. They want a point guard that can run the offense, get the ball to open receivers, don't turn the football over, and can be a complement to a running game, a strong defense, and strong special teams. And Pete Carroll is going to continue to prescribe to that theory. And that, again, you know, goes back to maybe there was some mutual interest here in making this move because Russell Wilson, his legacy, he wants to be an MVP. He wants to be viewed as one of the very best quarterbacks out there. He doesn't want the football taken out of his hand. He wants to be able to cook. Those two ideologies just don't mesh. And that's been something that has been a problem for a long time. When you look at what Pete Carroll believes wins football games and what Russell Wilson believes would help the Seahawks win football games, maximizing his skill set, those two ideologies just did not see eye to eye. And so from Seattle's perspective, that was another reason. And I think you look at the statements that were made by Jody Allen today, for example, they're looking for players that are going to buy into what the Seahawks want to do. She has clearly reinstilled faith in Schneider and Carroll to do what they need to do to get this thing back on track. And ultimately, they just decided that Wilson doesn't necessarily want to be part of those plans. So we're going to move forward with some different plans of our own. And so at the end of the day, again, depending on who you trust, a couple of different perspectives here, but I think that everybody can agree that this was a move that needed to be made at this point, whether it was because the Seahawks weren't winning enough playoff games and that upset Wilson, or it was other factors, or that the Seahawks had just grown tired of his act and the rumors. That certainly could be something that was going on there. There were trust issues from both sides here. It was time. It was time to make a deal. And I'm sure that more comments will come to light as we come uh, later away from this trade. Russell Wilson today mentioned there's going to be a book at some point. Who knows if he was being serious or not on that. Uh, but I'm sure this is something where there will be more that comes out. And it might not be till after Russell Wilson's career is over. But I think at some point there will be more insight into what went down at this time. But we know that John Schneider, Pete Carroll, they're excited about this reloading that they're going to be doing with a number of draft picks. They like the players they're bringing in the free agency. They like a lot of the players they still have on their roster. Russell Wilson's excited to go to Denver where he expects to be more of a focal point and be a high volume passer. He's got some good receivers. He's on a team with a really good defense that is built to win now. So this is his second chance, both of them. Pete Carroll, John Schneider, the collective there, and Russell Wilson getting that second chance. And they both believe that they can come out with uh, good results from this trade. So it's going to be very fascinating. We get a year, two years, three years down the road from this to see how this played out for Denver. Did they get to the Super Bowl? And does Seattle quickly reload? Or does this trade end up being the beginning to end and they're not able to recover and go through a long spell where they really struggle to win football games? And that's what's going to make this a very fascinating storyline to watch coming out of this blockbuster historic trade moving forward. Free agency just got rolling. We're only entering day two in free agency, but the Seahawks have already addressed a number of a number of needs. There are a lot of really good players that are still out in the market. There are a lot of good players that got plucked up the last couple of days that are no longer available. So hitting the reset button here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast, let's talk positions that are still areas of need for the Seahawks as we go into day two of free agency. I think number one, got to start on the offensive line. And I'm just putting tackle in general right now. They don't have a left tackle unless you think Stone Forsythe is going to be the starter next year. And I, I would be very cautious about 
pushing that button yet. He might have that potential, but I don't know that he's ready to do that. Dwayne Brown's a free agent. On the right side, Brandon Shell's a free agent. They've got Jay Curhan, who they really like. Started He started five games in last season, played really well. But Pete Carroll has not necessarily been committal about him being the guy there either. Some interesting news that came out today. They are supposed to have Trent Brown, former starter for the Patriots, Raiders, and 49ers. He is supposed to be coming out tomorrow for a physical and a visit with the team. And this is a guy that signed a monster contract a few years ago with the Raiders. It was the contract equivalent of his size, six foot eight, 380 pounds. This guy is a massive human being that can move people. He's been a consistently solid pass protector in his career, in part because he's so big that it's really hard for pass rushers to get around him. And you're certainly not going to bully him into the backfield with bull rushes. But Brown is a guy that's had some issues with injuries. He only played in five games two years ago, only played in nine games last season. So there are some durability concerns. The physical aspect of his visit is going to be something to watch. But if everything checks out, he's a guy for a size that has fairly nimble feet. And I think he is a guy that can play gap or zone blocking schemes. He has mostly played right tackle. So that might be where the Seahawks are viewing him at. Maybe he's the guy there in Jake Curhan. They view as a swing tackle that can play either spot. He played a little bit of left tackle at the college level, but mostly was a right tackle guy. But maybe they view him potentially uh, down the road being a starter. But Brown would be an interesting one to the, for them to bring in. You could even have Brown and Brown. I would rule out Dwayne Brown coming back on the left side and on the other side having the other Brown as your right tackle. That would be a very exciting development for the Seahawks to have both those guys because Trent Brown was a pro bowler in 2019. This is a guy that has been a top five, top 10 tackle before when he has been healthy. That's been the big issue. Dwayne Brown's made multiple all pro teams, was a pro bowler again last year, played really well in the second half, showing he still does have some juice in the tank. So you could end up upgrading your line by having both Trent Brown and Dwayne Brown as your bookends at the tackle positions. There are some other options that are out there still like Morgan Moses, but I would think that if Brown can pass a physical, there's a very good chance that this comes together. Money's going to have to match, but there's a good chance that they could maybe take a one-year flyer on him coming off those two injury-riddled seasons, and he could make a lot of sense. Behind the offensive line, running back also remains a somewhat pressing need because you don't know what Chris Carson's future holds. The Seahawks are hoping that he's going to be healthy. The neck issue that he's been dealing with, had surgery back in December. There have been optimistic reports coming out, but again, this is a neck injury for a running back, a physical running back at that. You don't know what he's going to look like coming back. Rashad Penny is still an unrestricted free agent. Hasn't really been anything come out so far in his situation. I would think with his injury history, now teams, other teams that might be interested in him, they are going to be going through the physical process and, and trying to look into his medicals. The Seahawks may be doing the same thing. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. If they don't bring him back, maybe somebody like a Leonard Fournette might make sense. He has not re-signed with the Buccaneers to this point. Maybe with Tom Brady coming out of retirement, he'll be considered there. But he is currently a free agent. that could make some sense for them to team up with Carson, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. They might draft a running back as well. And I'm going to stay on the offensive line. One more position on offense. I mentioned the first quarter, yes, you signed Austin Blythe. And, and maybe he ends up being the guy but he played in four games and played 12 snaps last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
He has been an average starter when he has been in the lineup for the Rams those three years he was a starter. He had a couple really solid seasons, but nothing spectacular. And Ethan Posick played really well the second half of last season. I could see Posick coming back and competing against Blythe. I could see Seattle drafting a center. They have a lot of options. I still think that that is a position where they will make some further moves to try to bolster the depth there and increase the competition at the pivot position going into training camp. Now flipping to the defensive side, obviously they got Nwosu, who is going to help their pass rush, can play Sam or the Leo defensive end spot. I like his fit in this defense a lot. They could go out and try to get another pass rusher. I would think the draft, though, is where they're going to go, unless they wanted to bring somebody in like a Melvin Ingram or maybe a Justin Houston, bring back Jadevian Clowney. I mean, there are some names out there. I just don't know that you're going to get your bang for your buck in terms of age and upside and pass rushing production in free agency at this point. Maybe you bring back Rasheem Green. I think Shelby Harris arriving probably takes that possibility away. But I would think the draft is where they're most likely to address that position. I still think they need to add another pass rusher or two to the mix, especially after releasing Benson Mayoa today. I would think they're going to continue to look for players to help bolster that group to get after opposing quarterbacks. And at linebacker, yes, Nuosu can play Sam linebacker, but Cody Barton right now is going to be your replacement for Bobby Wagner. He has never been a full-time starter Miles Jack is out there. The Jaguars released him two days ago. I still think Miles Jack coming back to the Pacific Northwest, where he starred at Bellevue High School, played for the Wolverines, was a star running back and defensive player, played running back at UCLA and linebacker at UCLA. Incredible athlete that I think was stuck in a really bad position in Jacksonville. He's only 26. I think you put him on Seattle's defense. You put him next to Jordan Brooks with some of the other talent they've got. Al Woods plugging up the trenches up front. Puna Ford doing the same. Miles Jack, I believe, still has an all-pro ceiling, and he has not come close to playing to his potential because playing in Jacksonville, a lot of careers have been ruined playing there. A consistently bad football team. Change the scenery, come to Seattle, different culture. Obviously, he knows the Pacific Northwest. I just think that would be a slam dunk signing for them. And I think you can get him on a one-year deal trying to reestablish himself as a quality linebacker for next year's free agent class and maybe a long-term option next to Jordan Brooks for the Seahawks if everything pans out. And last but not least, you look at the cornerback spot for the Seahawks. They did today make this uh, make the signing of Artie Burns first-round pick coming out of Miami, a player that has shown flashes last year with the Chicago Bears of the first-round talent that he had coming into the NFL. Really struggled most of his time in Pittsburgh, gave up a lot of touchdowns, gave up almost 900 receiving yards his first season in the league. But again, he's got the physical tools. He's got the length that the Seahawks are looking for at the cornerback spot. You brought back Sidney Jones. Trey, uh, you're hoping that Trey Brown's going to be back healthy from his patellar tendon injury. I could still see that being a position, though, in the draft that they are aggressive. I don't know that you see any other free agents out there unless you want Stefan Gilmore, the aging vet who's still a great man cover corner on a short-term deal. If you're willing to spend that kind of money, maybe Gilmore would make some sense. But this is a really fun draft at corner sauce Gardner being one of those intriguing first-round candidates that might be in play for the Seahawks at pick number nine. They've never picked corners that early with this regime. 
but they haven't had many chances to do that in the top 10. And this guy is an elite talent. Uh, Derek Stingley at LSU is another one that would maybe make some sense if he's there at number nine. And there are some other really good corners that could be available in the second round for the Seahawks. And so I think the draft is where they're going to address a lot more of these needs on defense in free agency terms. I would expect we're going to see more movement on offense now because most of the moves they've made up to this point have been retaining their own defensive players and adding outside defensive players. I think they're going to start moving forward with some offensive pickups here in coming days. It'll be interesting to see what the Seahawks do moving forward because based on what Carol and Schneider said today, again, they're not rebuilding they're reloading. So I would expect some more aggressive moves, not spending big bucks necessarily, but bringing in somebody like a Trent Brown would make a lot of sense for this offensive line, a guy that's still only 29 years old. See if you can get him in here, keep him healthy. And I think your offensive line's better for whoever is playing quarterback for you next season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. Coming up on tomorrow's Thursday episode, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. The two of us will be grading out Seattle's three latest free agent signings. It might even be four if we have some action tomorrow early. A few other guys are signed. We will be looking at that second wave of signings, handing out some grades, sharing our thoughts on fit and how they're going to mesh with Seattle's scheme, among other things. And we're going to be looking into other comments made by Pete Carroll and John Schneider in their press conference today. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.